Hallelujah. Amen. That's our prayer, that the Lord would be magnified in our lives, in all that we say, and all that we do. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, you may be seated. I'm excited to be able to share the word with you all. I'll get my Oklahoma on. Every time I go home, I get a little more accent. So if you hear that little twang tonight, it's because I've been hanging out with those Okies. What can I say? But anyhow, I'm glad to be home, and I'm glad that y'all are here tonight. And we are going to be talking about I Speak Life. Is it a good thing to speak life? Even when you see death all around you, or you see circumstances that don't look like they're filled with life, it's good to speak life. And you know where life comes from? It comes from the Word of God. Amen? Well, we are approaching Easter, as we all know. It's just a, a month away, and there's a lot of uh, emphasis on, on this time of year, celebrating the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, and He is the life. He is the way. He is the truth. Amen? Now, we know in the natural that there have been <clears throat> many accounts of people that have died, and they've come back to life. And so you could say they, well, they experienced a resurrection because that's what resurrection is. It's coming back to life. But there's no one else that can say what Jesus said. He didn't just have a resurrection. He is the resurrection. He told that to Mary and Martha at the time when their brother Lazarus had died. And that's a really interesting account when um, Lazarus did die. Mary and Martha, being his sisters, they sent word to Jesus and they said, Our brother is, is, is sick. And it's interesting if you read the whole account in John chapter 11. We're not going to read the whole thing tonight. I'll just highlight it for you. But they said, they sent word to Jesus and they said, Lazarus, the one whom you love, is sick. They had confidence in the fact that Jesus was the healer. They'd seen him do miraculous things. And they had confidence in the fact that Jesus loved them. And Jesus loved Lazarus. You know, I don't know for sure, but I know this just by virtue of the fact that he was in their home on news, numerous times that they were close with the Lord. And that he, he loved them and they loved him. And I'm sure when they sent word to Jesus and said, Lazarus is sick, that they fully expected him to show up in the next day or two. They expected that Jesus would drop whatever he was doing and come to their home because he loved Lazarus. But the Bible tells us when he got the word that Lazarus was sick, he stayed wherever he was for two more days. And then it, uh, it, the Bible will tell us that Judea, where they lived, was two days' journey from where he was. And so he stayed two more days, and two plus two is four. So it was four days before he actually showed up at their house. And I do want to read a little bit of what happened when he arrived at their home. It's found in John chapter 11. I want to read this passage out of the King James because I just like the way that it says it. In verse 20, 
Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother would not have died. Now, this is mild compared to what happened when Jesus showed up in their house and Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet and Martha was in the kitchen cooking. And the Bible says she was worried and she was cumbered with all sorts of things going on. And she wasn't real nice that day. She walked in there and she said, Jesus, with an attitude, Jesus, don't you care? Mary has seated herself and just all relaxed and comfortable. And I'm in the kitchen slaving over this hot oven. Jesus, tell her, get in there and help your sister. So Martha had, a, you know, she had issues with having an attitude a little bit. And even and wanting to kind of tell Jesus, this is the way it ought to go. This is what you ought to do. And this is what you ought to say. She had attitude. So this day, <laughs> no comments down there. He said it sounds familiar. You know, you ought to be glad. <laughs> you ought to be glad if your wife has a little attitude. Because that means she'll have some attitude toward the devil. And she won't let him mess with you or your stuff. Now you got me all on a side journey. But one time Brother Hagen was out here, and you know you hear us talk about our spiritual father, Brother Hagen. And he was out here, and he was staying at a suite down in Holiday Inn uh, over there in Oakland at the time. And we went up into their suite, and somebody called from the office. It wasn't Jane. But somebody called from the office, and they were saying this and that about some, something that needed to happen. And in front of the prophet, I was like, well, that ain't going to happen. That's not going to, no, you know. And then I realized, I just had some attitude (laughs) right in front of the prophet. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. And then I turned around. I said, I probably shouldn't have said it like that. And you know what the prophet said to me? He said, ah, that's all right. If you ain't got any spunk, you ain't worth much. So (laughs) there you go. You're blessed. I got a lot of spunk. So anyhow... (laughs) Martha had a little spunk, little attitude. So all she said to, to Jesus was, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. So she was using a little more cautious. She probably wanted to say this. Didn't you get my text? I said it was urgent. You ignored it. Why did you dilly and dally around, Jesus? Did you have to really heal that last person? Did you really have to preach another sermon? I marked it urgent with five exclamation points. Get here and get here now. That's probably what she wanted to say. But instead she said, Jesus, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. This wouldn't have happened. So then she gathers herself a little bit and she says this. She's trying to get spiritual again in verse 22. But I know that even now, whatsoever you ask God, God will give it to you. And then Jesus replies in verse 23, Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. 
And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And she was probably thinking, I messed up once. I missed one of your sermons when you were in my house. I was in the kitchen, but I heard that one. I heard it when you said that we are all going to rise again. That even though our bodies are going to die, we're going to have a, an eternal resurrection and be reunited with you in heaven. I heard that message, Lord. I, yeah, I know that one. But Jesus said unto her in verse 25, I am the resurrection. He didn't just have a resurrection when he was buried and he went to hell for those three days. He said, I am the resurrection. And then he goes on and he says, and I am the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he Live, And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then he adds this part. Believeth thou this. How many in here have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? How many of you know that you know that Jesus lives on the inside of you? You know that you shall never again experience spiritual death. Of course, our bodies, should Jesus tarry, our bodies are going to die. But the good news is, is we got eternal life. And the real you, your spirit man, will live forever and ever in the presence of the Lord. Jesus said, Mary... Martha, do you believe this? And we know that she said, yes, I do. Well, the rest of the story, or should we talk about the rest of the story or should we leave Lazarus in the tomb? I think you all know the rest of the story, but let me capsulize it for you. So all the family, all the friends were there and they were grieving. And some of them were probably going, hmm. So that's Jesus. And where were you? Miracle worker. One that Lazarus loved. We all know. We heard that Lazarus was one of your biggest supporters. You think you could have come when he was sick. People were saying all sorts of things. Murmuring in the background. Jesus was hearing all of their comments. He knew what was going on. He saw Mary and Martha's tears. And the Bible says that he said, take me to the tomb. And as they were walking to the tomb, the, verse 35, you don't put it up there. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. I remember in Sunday school, they would tell us, now you got to learn a verse by next week. And all, now I was a good little Sunday school girl. But the boys, those boys, they would always say, John chapter 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. And they'd still get a star, and I'd be like, not fair. That's the shortest verse in the Bible. But it also means something. Some people say, well, Jesus wept because he loved Lazarus, I'm sure that that was part of it. But really, I believe that he wept because all these comments that he was hearing and sensing all of the unbelief because he had just said to Martha, Martha, do you believe I'm the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that whosoever believeth on me shall live? 
And he was sensing all of this going on around him. So then they take him to the tomb. Let's look at verse 39. Jesus said when they got over to the tomb, verse 39, take ye away the stone. Here's Martha with her two cents worth again. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said, Oh, Lord, by now he stinketh. For it's been four days. Reminding him again, he's been dead four days. We contacted you four days ago. It would have been good if you'd come earlier. But Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, Woo, I like this part. Thou shouldest see the glory of God. Anybody in here want to see the glory of God? The glory of God is God's manifest presence. Anybody in here want God to show up and show out in your life? You want to see the glory of God manifest in your physical body. You want to see the glory of God manifest in your family. You want to see the glory of God manifest in your finances. So he's asking us the same question. He's saying to us the same thing. He said to Martha, didn't I say... If you believe, you would see. You know, we like to get it in reverse. We want to see and then believe. You know, even people will say, isn't seeing, believing, not in Christianity. Believing comes first. He said, believe and then you will see. You know what that's called? That's walking by faith and not by sight. Woo! That's a good word right there. So he said this. I told you, if you'd believe, you'd see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hast heard me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he had to say, Lazarus, come forth. Because there was so much power in his words, if he would have just said, come forth. All the dead people in that graveyard would have come hopping out of the tomb. So he specifically said, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. His face was bound about with a napkin. But Jesus said unto them, loose him and let him go. Can you imagine the sight that day? A mummy coming, hopping out of the grave, wrapped up and bound up. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. And that is a picture of some Christians today. The life of God comes into us at the time of the new birth. There is enough resurrection power to destroy all the bondages, all the the chains of the enemy. But it is our choice to let that life work in us. 
We can become spiritually alive in an instant. We will when we receive Jesus, when we declare him as Lord. We are immediately translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Immediately we are made brand new creations. Immediately the life of God is at work in our spirit. But things that have hung on to us, addictions and bondages of the past, they'll try to keep you bound up and keep you wrapped up in grave clothes. And it's our choice to let that life, that power work in us. There is power to bring about complete change. It's available, but we have to receive it. We have to walk in it. We have to apply what the Word of God says. we got to renew our mind. Like Pastor preached this morning, renew your mind to the Word of God. Don't be anymore conformed to this world and its way of thinking, but be transformed, hallelujah, by the Word of God. Salvation is instant, but walking in our redemptive realities is a process, and we have our part to play. Now, we all know that Billy Graham recently went home to be with the Lord, and I've been seeing all these wonderful quotes, and what a man of God, what a life, what a legacy, that he doesn't just leave his children, but he leaves all of us. The integrity that he operated in. The example that he lived. But I recently heard this and I love this. Someone once asked Billy Graham, If Christianity is valid, why is there so much evil in the world? To this, the famous preacher replied, With so much soap... Why are there so many dirty people in the world? Christianity, like soap, must be personally applied if it is to make a difference in our lives. Isn't that good? Woo! Christianity, like soap, must be personally applied if it's going to make a difference in our lives. Amen. So we can't just talk about it. We can't just say I'm a Christian. We got to take the word and apply it to our lives and let the life, the life, there's life in this word. Let that resurrection life in us conquer death filled situations and things that try to bind us and hinder us. Amen. I got a question for you. You got any areas that you want to apply the soap of the word of God? We need to be washed by the word of God. There's sometimes, you know, I, I like the other day when I had a quite a long travel day getting home from, I flew from, from Springfield into Dallas and then Dallas to here. And there's just something about that air on the jet. It's just like stale. And the first thing I wanted to do when I got home was wash off, take a bath. 
And I know that you probably feel like that sometimes just at, after work or on barred or just around people or whatever. If you work at Val's and you smell like burgers, you go home and you want, you go home and hopefully you say, I'm going to wash that burger smell right off of me. It's a good thing to take a bath and to wash things that try to smells and scents and things that try to cling to us in the natural. Well, the Bible says we need to be washed by the Word of God. The world's dirty out there. Like Billy Graham said, with all the soap in the world, how come there's so many dirty people? It's the same. Wash ourselves with the Word of God. How about this? You got any areas where death is trying to latch itself? We can speak life to those. How about any dead finances? Your wallet looking a little dead? Your bank account looking a little lifeless? How about some relationships? Is there any dead relationships in your life? How about some dead dreams? Oh, my goodness. All of us, God has spoken things into our lives. And sometimes we just let those things slip and we let them die. How about some dead joy? Well, you know what? The Bible says rejoice. If your joy level has just gotten dead and low, we're supposed to rejoice. How about some dead peace? All these things that are happening around us, your peace is not alive anymore. It's dead and now you're filled with worry and anxiety. You know what? We need to speak peace over our life. How about some dead health? It doesn't mean that you're physically dead, but if your body is full of sickness and disease, that's death working in our mortal bodies and we can speak life to it. How about some spiritually dead family members or friends? You know, we're praying right now. We are praying for a mighty harvest. We are praying for people to be born again, come into the newness, come into the fullness of salvation. Speak life. Don't look at them and say, oh, They are this dirty, rotten scoundrels. There is no help. There's no hope for them. No, it's not what my Bible says. Hope thou in God. You know, the good news is that there is no pit too deep. There's no hole too dark. There's no trouble too big that God's love won't reach down to and shine in. Hallelujah. (coughs) Oops, excuse me. I thought I coughed into the clinics. I coughed into the mic. So I and repent. (laughs) So sorry. Woke you up. Now listen to this verse in Psalms 138, verse 7 and 8. Though I walk in the midst of trouble. Anybody ever been in a time of trouble? But look what he promised. Thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of my enemies. Thou and they and thy right hand shall save me. Let's just thank him. Lord, we thank you. <laughs> we thank you that you promise you are not only with us in trouble, but you will revive us and you will stretch out your right hand and you will deliver us. Thank you for that promise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Let me ask you another question. Have you ever gotten news, bad news, it just took your breath away? That's what God's talking about here. He says, I promise to revive you. I'll bring life back in to death-filled situations. And our last little bit of time here together tonight, I want to look over at Ezekiel chapter 37. The valley of the dead dry bones. I like this story a lot. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1 and 2. He had a vision. The prophet Ezekiel had a vision. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, There were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. Not just dry, very dry. I think that it's noteworthy to talk about this just for a second. These dead, dry bones were in the valley. You notice in your spiritual walk with the Lord that dreams hopes and visions they don't die on the mountaintop when you're having this mountaintop experience with the lord you're like woo yay jesus woo it's all going to come to pass woo i'm going to run and not be weary but then all of a sudden something knocks you down and you're in the valley and if you've been in the valley for a while that's where dreams and visions die so I don't think it's without significance that these that this valley was full of dead, dry bones. Dusty. Not an ounce of flesh on them. No muscle. No skin. No hair left. They were dead. They were really dead. Been dead a long time. Another question. Does it matter to God? How long something's been dead? Does it matter to God how long that vision or that dream you have on the inside of you has felt dead? Absolutely not. Remember, at the tomb of Lazarus, when Martha said, Oh, Jesus, uh, hello, four days, he's been dead, that Jesus didn't turn around and go, You said four? Oh, no. After two days, I can't resurrect anybody. No way. He wasn't moved by the time limit of how long Lazarus has been dead. And he's not moved by how long some of those diseases have been trying to attack your body. He's not moved by how long that relationship has been strained and stressed. No, there's no time limit with him. He never goes, oops, it's been too long. No, Jesus is the resurrection. He is alive. T.D. Jake said this, Jesus is the bone collector. He'll take 
dead, dry, unwanted, unusable bones. And he will breathe fresh life into it. The breath of God can make something come alive in an instant. So don't be moved by a little clock that says tick tock, tick tock. I'm telling you, yesterday when we were sitting in that funeral service and after about two hours, I was like, I looked all around and I poked Pastor Nancy was sitting next to me and I said, there's not a clock in here. (laughs) They don't have a timer. There's nothing on the back wall, nothing on the side walls. I've looked on the ceiling. These people are not moved by time. (laughs) Don't get any ideas, Pastor Mark. We're going to keep that clock. (laughs) But with God... There is no time. It doesn't matter to him. Jesus is the giver of life. And life always conquers death. Hallelujah. Look at verse 3 now. Ezekiel 37. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And this is what Ezekiel said. And I answered. We'll stay with verse 3. And I answered. Can these son of man, can these bones live? So I answered. Oh Lord, you know. God asked him the same question he's asking some of you tonight. I like Ezekiel's response. He didn't say, no way dude. Can't you see how dead they are? They're dry, they're dusty. But he did say this in essence. It's not looking good for the bones today. But you know more about this than I do. He didn't just say, oh, no way. But he did say, oh, Lord, you know. He knew this. He wasn't God. He knew he couldn't make those bones come back to life. But he knew that God could. And so he was giving him something to work with. Give God something to work with. Even if you're tempted to waver, get some scripture and stand on it. And do your very best to stay in faith. Give him something. God's got his part. But we have our part. Then keep reading. Verse 4. Again he said to me, You prophesy. Upon these bones. And you say to them. Oh ye dry bones. Hear the word. Of the Lord. Verse 5. Thus says the Lord. Under these bones. Behold I will cause breath to enter you. And you shall live. Verse 6. I will put sinews upon you. I'll bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am God. Hallelujah. Don't you love it? But look at this. Now look at this point. Notice the Lord's response was not, okay, I know they can live. I'll take care of everything. No, he needed Ezekiel's faith. He needed Ezekiel's words. He needed his voice. So he said to Ezekiel, 
I'm going to do my part basically, but you have to open your mouth and you have to prophesy and you have to speak life. Speak what I tell you to speak. He told him exactly what to say. Prophesy to these bones and say, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. He didn't tell Ezekiel to talk about the bones. He didn't tell Ezekiel to say how he felt about the bones. He didn't tell Ezekiel to say, oh, it's not looking good for the bones. No, he said, you prophesy and you speak to these bones. Now you might say, well, I'm not a prophet. You may not stand in the office of prophet. I dare say nobody in here does. But this is an action that every believer can do because prophecy in its simplest form is to proclaim. Proclaim and to preach. You can proclaim to your situation. You can preach the word of God. And the best person for you to preach to is yourself. You get up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you're like, okay, I'm not moved by what I see today. And I'm not talking about Helen. She's always beautiful. Well, I see the finished product. I don't see you in the morning. Nobody sees me either without the unfinished product here. But when I first get up, you got to speak. You got to prophesy. You got to proclaim to yourself. Self, this is the day that the Lord hath made and you are going to rejoice and be glad in it. Self. You are full of the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. Self, you're strong today. You are not weak. The Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. That's preaching. That's proclaiming. That's prophesying. And if you're facing some dead situations, believe me, you got to find scriptures that cover your case because he has told us what to say how to pray he has told us to speak the word and to pray the promises i heard a minister of god say this and it resonated in my heart our words are like a thermostat they set the limits and establish boundaries in our life Some of you might like your house 80 degrees. Like I know George Nikolopoulos likes his house hot. (laughs) So that thermostat is set high. I was just at my son's house, James and Esther, and I'm like, what is the deal here? We did not raise you in Siberia. He likes his house 65 degrees. And it was cold already and rainy. As soon as he'd leave the door, Mama, Grammy would go over there. And I'm like, Eden, are you cold? Mm-hmm. Well, so am I. <laughs> the thermostat is going up. James would come home. One night he came home. Seriously, I had it on 68. Now, is that cold? No. He came home. He's like, woo, it's hot in here. He turned the AC on. But a thermostat sets where your temperature is going to be in your house. Our words are the thermostat. They set the atmosphere. They set the course 
for our lives. Speak faith-filled words. Faith-filled words dominate the law of sin and death. Speak life. How many of you are going to choose to speak life and not death? It's our part. Speak the word. His part is to bring the life. Verse 5. Can you all handle the end a little bit more of this? Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. And then this is the result of Ezekiel's obedience to prophesy and to say what God told him to say to those dead dry bones. Verse 7. So I prophesied, I proclaimed as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. Hallelujah. When something that was once dead starts coming to life, there's a noise. There's a sound in the realm of the spirit. There's a shout. That ought to be going forth from our lips. Captives being set free. Prison doors being opened. Regions of the darkness being invaded with the light and the life of the glorious gospel. Something happens. Hallelujah. There is a whole lot of shaking going on when we speak life and we speak The word of God. Hallelujah. There's no force great enough to keep the power of God out of your life. Out of that situation. So verse verse 8 now. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came up on them. And the skin covered them over. But there was no breath in them. It's great. The bones are coming together. The skin's there. The muscles are there. The hair is there. They were looking good, but they were still dead. It's not great if you're just looking good and you're still dead. He said, don't stop short. Go for full restoration. Hallelujah. Don't stop short. Stand for your complete healing. Stand for your marriage to be like days of heaven on the earth. Don't just stop with the fact that we're not going to get a divorce. You don't want to just live together and not have harmony in your home. Go for the gold. Go for full restoration. So this is what happened in verse 9. Also he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath. Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived. And they stood up on their feet, an exceeding great army. Breath represents life. Hallelujah. At creation, man's body was looking pretty good when God put it together. But the Bible says it's just laying there and God, he breathed. He breathed into man's nostrils and he became a living soul. I declare to you tonight that the breath of God, 
The life of God is moving in this place right now. And if you've had any dead situations, you just let the breath of God, the life of God, breathe into those areas. Let's all stand up. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for the life of God. We thank you that it is working mightily in this place. Lord, we thank you. Verse 10, the bones came together. Life came into the bones. They lived. They lived. Everybody say they lived. They lived. And they stood upon their feet. Hallelujah. Woo! They became a mighty, mighty, mighty army. Some of you in here, not only has Zebukurita, oh Mashobrata, not only have circumstances troubled you, but there's some in here that things have literally knocked you down. They've taken your breath away. You feel like you've been blindsided. You didn't see that coming. You've even said that, whoa, where did that come from? I didn't see that coming. But the Spirit of God says nothing takes me off guard. Nothing surprises me. I knew that that attack was going to come. Don't let it keep you off your feet. You may have been knocked down, but it's time to get up. Stand back up on your feet. And let there be a bashundreta. Let there be a renewing. Let there be a reviving. Let there be a refreshing. Let the breath of God breathe life back into you. We're not talking about something in the natural. We're talking about spiritual life. That shekundreta. That same spirit. That raised Jesus from the dead. It dwells in you. If you're a believer, it dwells in you. It dwells in you. And what does the Bible say? It says it will quicken. Everybody say, I'm quickened. In the name of Jesus. The life of God. It's working in me. Hallelujah. The word, the word of God produces life. And the jombri kete and the mazibiroto. And the Bible says the word and the spirit agree. And if you are jeto, if you've been tempted to get knocked down and to be weary, you need a dose of the Holy Ghost. Talk about the wind. The wind. That verse we read in Ezekiel. It said the wind. The wind of God came. The wind of God came. And it. it, (laughs) The wind of God came. And it. (laughs) The wind of God came. And it. (laughs) It breathed life. Thank you, Jesus. The life of God. The life of God. The life of God. That's what's happening in this place right now. Life. Life is flowing into every situation. Lord, as these people, 
as everyone is lifting these needs up before you, whether it's healing, financial need, whether it's relationships, whatever's happening, Lord, we just thank you that the life of God is greater, greater, the life and the love of God. Let the love of God flow from believer to believer in this place. And we thank you, Lord, for the harmony and the unity in heart of the bay in this family. And we thank you, Lord. Your word says one will put a thousand to fly and two ten thousand. So we are agreeing as a church family that we're going up higher. We're going up higher. That our church family is strong. Strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And we thank you that we are experiencing the manifestation of your glory here at Heart of the Bay. We are expecting signs, wonders, and miracles. We are expecting a mighty harvest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's all just agree upon that as well. We agree, Lord, for a mighty harvest of people. We call them in from the north, the south, the east, and the west, Lord. We thank you for hungry hearts. Glory be to God. Hungry hearts to know you. Oh, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whoa, glory to God. If you see someone else that you just have, you just feel pulled to and you just want to go pray for, go ahead. We are a family church here. We are a body of believers. I thank you, Lord, for this precious one. That she is strengthened, strengthened. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, we thank you. Oh, glory, glory to God. The blessings of the Lord. The blessings of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord is upon Marcella. Thank you, Father, for increase in every area of her life. Increase of peace. Increase of strength. All that she needs. Hallelujah. To run her race and finish her course. Blessings. Blessings. Blessing. We call this home blessed of the Lord. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Father. Sweeter, sweeter, sweeter as the days go by. Sweeter. Their walk with you gets sweeter. Their walk with each other gets sweeter. <laughs> Woo! Ganda better. Bless, bless, bless. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we bless you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for you are good. You are good, and you are good all the time. 
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Father. This company. We thank you for this company of believers. Hallelujah. We see it and we call Heart of the Bay. Strong company of believers. Standing in the Lord. We stand in the Lord. We are strong in the Lord. And in the power of His might. Woo! Taking much, much territory. Much territory. Ha, ha, ha. Every place that the soles of our feet touch, you've given it to us. You've given it to us. We declare the Bay Area belongs to God. This is our territory. This is our domain. Hallelujah. We are the army of the Lord. We're taking the Bay Area for Jesus. Devil, you cannot have it. We prophesy life. Life. Life of God. The light of the glorious gospel invades dark areas. Hallelujah. Woo! Many, 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 many captives being set free. Hallelujah. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for an army. You guys, you're an army. The army of the Lord. Army of the Lord. Right now, some of you are getting some orders from headquarters. Hallelujah. Woo! Telling you. Telling you what you need to do. Telling you where you need to go. Hallelujah. Your next steps. And divine appointments. And glorious connections. That have been made long ago. Hallelujah. Coming, coming, coming. (laughs) Woo. Thank you, Lord, for those orders from headquarters. Step, 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 steps ordered of the Lord. Hallelujah. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. We are in the Lord's army. Woo. Mighty moving force. Mighty moving force. Blood bought church. Glory to God. Come on, everybody, shout. We heard a great word tonight. The Lord is happy when His people pray and praise. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 So we're prophesying to this area, Bay Area, live in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Hey, guys, as you go tonight, don't forget uh, to pick up a little Easter invitation. Invite some folks to church. Be praying. Do a little fasting this month. Praise the Lord. Let's believe God together. Amen. Have a great night. We'll see many of you Wednesday night.